I found it. I found it. Believe it or not, I found peanut butter. There is peanut butter at Walmart and Publix and Kroger today in Macon. Hallelujah. It has been gone all week. Seriously, my new routine is to get up every morning, do the show prep, and at about 7.55, go across, sit in the parking lot until the the Publix opens. That's how close I am. They open at 8. And then go in and see what I need. I still need some self-rising flour. I'm going to go in search of that today. I hear the flour deliveries are arriving. Gold meal was on the shelf, but only Yankees use gold meal. The rest of us use white Lily and the real ones use King Arthur if you know how to bake. <laughs> Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I have found uh, Jif creamy peanut butter. You know, it, it is interesting. So I, I went over to the grocery store. I've gone literally, I, I get up every morning now and I go to see what is available. And I've got a long list of stuff. And I'm also trying to get an extra. I'm not trying to stockpile. Just buy one extra of whatever I have um, so that I can check in before we head to the the beach house we've rented for spring break because we're not going to be able to leave there. We're going to have to shelter in place there. And so I'm just trying to get an extra. So if I get a box of pasta, I'll get an extra box of pasta. Get a pasta sauce, get an extra box. And and so I'm assuming we're going to have to cut down on what we take just so we can take some groceries. I did call several friends of mine in Hilton and they said the grocery stores are fine. Uh, it's just like everywhere else. Uh, stuff does come in regularly. You just have to make plans of going regularly to the grocery store. That that's, that's totally fine with me. Um, so I- I- in any event, um, I am, uh, I have got my peanut butter and I'm good to go. I'm also live streaming today. We'll see how long the connection lasts. Uh, it is Eric Erickson here. How about that? I should start there. If you want to call in today and by the way, um, in the third hour, in the third hour, uh, set, set your, set your timer on this one, put your alarm on in the 11 o'clock hour. I, I'm, I will take your phone calls. No, whatever you want to talk about, I will take your phone calls. Uh, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Through the day, frankly, I'm kind of tired of talking about the virus. I have found other stuff to talk about, but something I want to talk about in the third hour, in the 11 o'clock hour, is TV and movie recommendations to watch at home. Uh, What what are you streaming? What services are you using? Uh, What can you do? Why? Because... Uh, I, I really think it would behoove some of these major Hollywood companies that are pulling movies back, whether it's James Bond with Sony or whether it is um, whether it is uh, Disney with Mulan. Go on and stream them. We've all got a big flat screen TV at home. Just just let us stream these movies. Let us have family night at home instead of waiting for us. Because, you know, what the experts are now saying is if we can't find a a drug cocktail or a vaccine to deal with this virus, uh, come wintertime, we're going to be here all over again. Uh, because it's essentially their theory now is that it's going to rebound from the northern hemisphere as it cools down in the southern hemisphere. It's going to go there. Uh, I, I do think that's kind of a tacit admission that they're start. They really are starting to believe that cooler weather will have an impact on this virus, uh, and warmer weather will as well. Warmer weather, negative impact. Cooler weather, and uh, a positive impact for the virus, negative impact for us. Uh, they're starting to think it'll move into the southern hemisphere and then it'll move back to the northern hemisphere as the weather cools back down. So we're going to be in this all over again. They're delaying these movies to later in the year at the time they think the virus is going to rebound. So might as well just trot on out there with Mulan and James Bond and let us watch him at home. That's my thinking anyway. Uh, Give them to Apple and let Apple distribute them. Apple's got a great distribution network uh, and, and let everybody do it. Now, 
I'm not going to dwell there. I, I, I want to begin with the, the media. Uh, and, and I've got all this. In fact, you can see the videos and everything for yourself. They're, they're not behind a paywall. If you text the word data to 33777, I am doing now on a daily basis a newsletter. And the primary reason I'm doing this newsletter is because there is so much fake news out there right now coming from all quarters about the the virus, what it's actually doing, uh, what you can do, what you can't do, uh, all the news about it, warm weather effects, cold weather effects, everything. And I'm trying to give everybody the accurate information in the relevant political headlines. Now, some of the stuff, there is a paywall for some stuff at seven bucks. Uh, and uh, you can get the rest of it, but you don't have to. Uh, but if you text the word data to 33777, uh, it'll, you'll see a screen and it'll just ask you for your email address. You can, you can pay, you can do a paid subscription, which helps the radio show, or you can just get through as a regular subscription and you won't get everything, but you'll get the detailed stuff. I don't want to profit off the COVID-19 news. I want to give you, give you the up-to-date stuff. But one of the things that I've made available for everyone to see is a video and I'm going to play the video for you because it's a relevant starting point for our discussion today. I am, it, uh, you know what? No, let, let me start here before I get to the video. Let, let me start here. I, folks, there is no script here. I do this on the fly. Uh, I rearrange it in my head on the fly. Why? Because I can do that. I am a professional at this. And let me start with this point. One of the things I have lamented for the past several years is that uh, the media have so thoroughly discredited themselves, and on top of that, you have a number of people who, for partisan gain, have further helped discredit the media, that no one believes anything out of the media. If I tell someone I saw X, Y, and Z in the New York Times, uh, it could be true as, as the sun coming up in the morning, and a conservative will not believe it because it's in the New York Times. And part of that is because of the New York Times, and part of that as well is because there has been a sustained movement among some corridors of the conservative movement to completely discredit the press uh, because the press does have a left-wing bias. It is objectively true at this point that the left has a uh, left-wing, but the left, the, the media has a left-wing bias. In fact, when you pay attention to the hiring of reporters, what you find oftentimes is that reporters come out of left-wing groups. And the media is, is perfectly happy hiring a bunch of people who come out of left-wing corridors to advance media narratives on behalf of Democrats. They tend to be very lazy people who get talking points from Democrats. Now, not all reporters are, but these left-wing hacks who go into the media. I mean, you, you just follow them. Take Ezra Klein at Vox, who was a left-wing progressive activist. Uh, the Washington Post gave him a pulpit to continue his left-wing nonsense. Uh, and now he's moved over to Vox, which is a left-wing hack site. Uh, and it is sponsored by Fortune 500 companies, among other things. And the Fortune 500 is is, uh, is socially liberal and embraces these left-wing causes, and it has made it very, very easy for people on the right to thoroughly discredit the media because the media gives them all the ammunition they need. We don't have to make up the stuff. Um, it is abundantly obvious that the media is uh, of the left. My hesitation in all of that, though, is that there are reporters who do good work, and there are news outlets who, despite their left-wing biases, do generate accurate news. And you don't want to discredit all of them, and you don't want to fear monger and conspiracy monger with them. 
because ultimately, at the end of the day, truth is still important. And there are a lot of reporters who absolutely are trying to grasp the truth. In fact, China has purged a number of American reporters from the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times for daring to report the truth out of China. And you don't want to lump them in with the progressive hacks who are undermining the entire profession. At the same time, and I say all of that to say this, I am increasingly of the mindset Given what we know about China and its global propaganda campaign, and given what we know about the ethics of numerous reporters in the Washington press corps, I would not be surprised to learn that China has some of them on a payroll. I I really would not be. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that as a conspiracy theorist. Uh, If you look at China, it is spreading gobs of cash around the world to prop up media institutions. The New York Times and the the Washington Post, for example, not the Wall Street Journal, but the Washington Post, have run uh, full-page things from the China Daily, from Chinese propaganda outlets. Uh, They've been getting ad revenue from China. So it could very well be that there are reporters who don't want to anger China because of their livelihood with their newspapers getting ad buys from China. But I'm really thinking when you look at the the Chinese spy network, uh, when you look at uh, the propaganda outlets around the world that China is propping up, much like the Soviets used to do, I guarantee you there are reporters out there who are on the payroll of China. And uh, you can see it at work and how they're shaping headlines. For example, this nonsense about calling the virus that has come out of China a Chinese virus. Uh, The amount of reporters out there who are doing yeoman's work for China here uh, is ridiculous. And I don't want to say that I'm accusing these people of being Chinese propagandists. I would suspect that the ones who are are far more clever than being that out front about it. But there are a lot of reporters who actually are peddling Chinese propaganda uh, for pay or for I, I don't know what you call a whore who works for free. Uh, a reporter, I guess. I I, I don't know. Um, it, it is. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't say that, but it, it is amazing to me to watch some of these reporters who hate the president so much they're willing to carry the talking points of China, and and use those talking points. And again, I don't think these people are. I think China is paying reporters. I do, or editors to help shape a narrative. I do. I don't think it's these reporters because it's too obvious with these reporters. Uh, these reporters, I think they're just broken by the president. They hate the president so much uh, that that they have decided that they're going to stand with China, an autocratic dictatorial regime. They believe the president is an autocrat. They believe the president's a dictator, and they're willing to side with actual autocratic dictators who run concentration camps, which is amazing. Listen to Richard Engel. Again, I don't think Richard Engel is on the payroll of China, but he is certainly carrying the water for China. Listen to him. It's easy to scapegoat people, and that is what has always happened when there have been pandemics or epidemics uh, that foreigners are are attacked. Foreigners sometimes physically attacked. Uh, if you look at what happened uh, during the, the Middle Ages, there was lots and lots of scapegoating uh, against an ethnic group or a religious group uh, whenever there were pandemics that affected the society and frightened a lot of people. And China certainly feels that is what happened, what is happening now uh, with people calling it the, the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or the, the China virus. This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. That's not actually proven, by the way. He's stating that as fact. He's a reporter who's stating a fact that is actually not proven. This is a bat virus, not a, uh, a China virus. Uh, it doesn't speak Chinese. It doesn't target Chinese people. Uh, it targets human beings who happen to touch their eyes, nose, or, or mouth. 
He's calling it a bat virus. Actually, you know, the prevailing uh, scientific opinion right now is that it came from a pangolin. It may have originated in a bat that infected a pangolin, but the, the virus jumped from a pangolin to a human. Now you're wondering, what the hell is a pangolin? A uh, pangolin is a, a essentially an Asian anteater. It's a scaly creature. looks kind of like an armadillo, except it climbs trees. Uh, and it is... Uh, purported to be where the virus came from by a number of scientific outlets now who have studied it. In fact, even the Chinese researchers over there are saying that uh, they found pangolins infected with the coronavirus that 99% matches the coronavirus that has jumped into humans. And if you listen to the Joe Rogan interview with that epidemiologist from Minnesota, he says they fairly well can trace that it jumped into humans in November. And in fact, uh, that amplifies the case that this has been spreading through China far longer than China has been willing to acknowledge. Uh, By and large, what they do believe happened is that pangolins are banned uh, from being consumed because there are enough um, there are enough viruses and things that can jump from pangolins into human beings to begin with. Uh, it is considered a delicacy, but China banned it and it's still on the black market, can be found and sold and consumed. And so they presume that it was sold by the or it was it was a black market purchase and consumed, infected a human and spread through China for several months before the Chinese detected it. And then the Chinese sought to cover it up. Uh, it is a Chinese virus because geographically, up until the woke culture got involved with the World Health Organization and polluted scientific opinion a couple of years ago, viruses were named by their geographic reason, region. No one screamed racism when Ebola was named for a river in Africa. No one was uh, screaming racism when Zika was named for an area of Uganda. No one was screaming racism uh, when the West Nile virus was named after guess. Uh, no one's been screaming racist about the St. Louis encephalitis. No one was screaming racism about Rocky Mountain fever. No one's screaming racist about the German measles. The, none of these things. Um, it, it is it is a virus that originated in Wuhan, China, saying Wuhan virus is not racist. Now, uh, when we come back, I want to play you this video. Uh, you can also text data to 33777. I'll spit you back a link and you can see it for yourself. But I want to play this video for you that really sets the stage for the insanity that has taken over the American press corps. They are not infected with the Wuhan virus. They are infected with bat poop crazy nonsense about the president. Their virus came from bats, bat poop crazy. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you would like to call in and be a part of the program is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to play you this incredible video. Uh, this is a video of uh, a montage put together by the Media Research Center. Now, they put some campy music behind it. Uh, I, th- that always kind of aggravates me when, when these outlets do it. And I understand um, that they put some campy music in. You're going to hear that, too. Uh, I want to give credit where it's due to the Media Research Center, MRCTV.org. They put it up, and you need to listen to this to set the stage for the conversation over who is racist for using the phrase Wuhan virus or Chinese virus. This is all happening at a time that we're starting to see a message shift here because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. 
At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan virus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. And the Wuhan uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. It's a mighty, mighty racist boss tone. I hear Stephen Miller in this foreign virus setting up Travel bans for the outside invasion of the disease? That's not the, the way Chinese coronavirus yeah, that they've th been that's not The first U.S. case of Chinese coronavirus. The Chinese coronavirus. Uh, this is coming as the Chinese coronavirus. China's coronavirus outbreak. China's coronavirus. Outbreak anxiety. The death toll nearly doubles in China's coronavirus outbreak. China's coronavirus. Just how bad is China's coronavirus crisis? China's coronavirus outbreak. China's coronavirus outbreak. China's coronavirus outbreak. China's coronavirus. China's coronavirus. China's coronavirus. China's coronavirus. Concerns about the China uh, coronavirus. Uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of a xenophobia, uh, right. to use that kind of term. There you have it, folks. Uh, the entire press corps that now says it's racist uh, was using the phrase in January and February. Why is it racist now? Um, let me give you let me, let me give you the lay of the land here. The Chinese have actually begun a propaganda campaign around the world to blame the United States for this virus. The Chinese are actually uh, spreading videos around social media. I've seen one of them. Uh, purportedly American soldier on a uh, mass transit train in China uh, licking his lips on his fingers and then smearing the saliva on a one of the, the metal poles you hold on to in a, in a subway train. They're spreading that around. Uh, they're blaming the United States. Chinese propaganda outlets have gone overboard in doing this. As a result, the United States has adopted the phrasing, the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus, uh, to remind people of where it came from. And uh, the American press corps, because they hate the president so much, and it has everything to do with hating the president, uh, have decided to push back on this uh, by embracing China's propaganda against the administration. Think about that. Our American press corps hates Donald Trump so much that they have decided that they're going to embrace Chinese propaganda in order to get back at the president. They're going to deny that the virus came from China. It came from bats, not from China. You heard NBC News' Richard Engel say. They are that committed to hurting the president that they are willing to side with Chinese communists who run concentration camps. That's what's going on here. I, so there are paid operatives undoubtedly in the American press corps, but the bulk of this is American reporters who are broken by Donald Trump and hate him. You know, I continue to say the president's singular most impressive superpower is that he gets other people to behave in the way they claim he himself has behaved. It was remarkable yesterday in the White House press conference where the president uh, made headlines with some really, really big news about what he's doing to fight the virus and what the administration is doing to fight the virus. Four questions came 
about whether or not it was racist to call it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. Meanwhile, you know, the, uh, the State Department, Mike Pompeo's State Department, is pointing out that in internal media in China, they continue to refer to it as the Wuhan virus, as, as the virus that came from Wuhan. That's that's China in its internal media. We don't get that in the international market and the American press doesn't pay attention to it. But the State Department pays attention to what the internal Chinese press says and the internal Chinese press are calling it the Wuhan virus. Are the Chinese racist? Why do why does China hate the Chinese people? Also, by the way, um, how arrogant is it of people to presume that if you call it the Chinese virus, that you're stigmatizing Asian people? That that's that's the attack. Asian people. Um, you know, Japanese people don't consider themselves Chinese. Um, it, it just absolutely infuriating to watch the press side with communists because they hate the president of the United States. It is Eric Erickson here all over the place, all over the place. Uh, and I want to delve into the white house press corps. I want to take, uh, your phone calls as well. 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. There is some breaking news here out of Georgia. Epidemiologists have confirmed two cases of COVID-19. Uh, one of them is a resident of, uh, Bibb County, uh, in Macon where I am. The patient has no travel history. So the source of exposure is not known. The other case is a resident of Peach County, the Byron Fort Valley area. Um, people possibly exposed will be contacted directly by an epidemiologist and monitored. Uh, that brings the cases in Mill, Georgia to three, one in Houston, one in Bibb County, one in Peach County, uh, as it continues to spread in the state. I am told, by the way, that the the number of cases are going to go up. Um, as more testing happens, they do believe there is a um, there's a there's social spread happening in Georgia. The governor has said as much that we're going to see a big spike in numbers, that it's nothing to panic about because they know it's coming. They know it's there. They know it's in social spread. That's why they're continuing social distancing. Now, I want to get into some of that a little more later. Right now, I want to take a break from the coronavirus and go to Michael calling from Atlanta. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Um, good. Thank you. Uh, two quick questions. One, um, politically speaking, um, how do you think the president is doing with this whole uh, situation? And two, how do you think that this I know you can't really predict, but how do you think this might play out for the uh, general election, um, not only for the president, but for the Senate and the House? Oh, that you know, I've been wondering a lot about those. Thanks very much for the phone call on this. That that That's a, actually a great um both great questions. How is the president doing? I think the president has continued to improve. I was, you know, I, I was, I felt very much in January and February as a lonely voice when it came to what was going on. Uh, I really did. Most of my friends who are conservatives were saying it's no big deal. I still have some who say it's, it's overblown. Uh, I, in fact, I got a lot of friends here in Macon with me who think that's yeah, really no big deal. Uh, and, and the more and more data that's coming out, it, it really is. And the president was his, he had the vice president and he had his uh, task force coming out and saying, it's a big deal. We need to, we need to lock things down. We need to keep people away from each other. And the president was saying, oh, it's, it's a media attack. And, and I understand why he did that. Listen, y'all, I, I, I really do think impeachment, the Democrats and the media progressive activists will never want to accept any part of the blame here. 
Everybody wants to only blame the president for stuff. No one ever wants to take blame for themselves. It's always the president's fault. I mean, even in this viral spread, it's not China's fault. It's the president's fault. The president's a racist. It's not, it's not China. Um, that, that's, that's what they would have you believe. And I think impeachment was a fundamental crisis. And I think that it distracted the president and the Democrats behaved in such a partisan way and the media behaved in such a partisan way that it took the president time to realize this wasn't just the Democrats and the media doing their usual games. It was actually something serious. I mean, let's not forget January 31st, 2020, the president of the United States imposed a travel ban with China before any other country did. And the response from the media and the Democrats, and this was during the impeachment trial, the response from the Democrats and the media was that this was a distraction from the impeachment trial. The president was, was doing something he shouldn't do. And all of the global experts said it was bad. That was the Democrat media response. Objectively, that was their response. And the president did it anyway, and they blew him up, and they ran stories repeatedly from World Health Organization experts uh, in the pocket of China saying that this was bad and this should not be done, and shame on the president for doing it. And it turns out that bought us time. And so the, me the media shifted immediately from the president is doing too much and he's doing this to try to obfuscate from what's happening with impeachment to the president's not doing enough. And I understand that the president looked at all of this and said, this is a media Democrat hit job. I think he was wrong. And I said as much at the time, but I also don't blame him. I don't blame anybody out there listening right now who thinks this is all a media attack to get the president. It's very hard to think otherwise when the president has a major press conference yesterday, not a month ago, not two months ago, yesterday, the president has a major press conference. And the first question out of the gate. My second question is, there are some, at least one White House official who you... <laughs> it was the first questioner. This was their second question, but it was the first questioner. The term Kung Flu, referring to the fact that this virus started in China. Is that acceptable? Is it wrong? Are you worried that that having this virus be, uh, be talked about as, as a Chinese virus, that that might... I wonder who said that. that. You know who said that? that? I'm not sure the person's name, but would you condemn He's, the fact say that... Say the term Kung again. Flu? The, a person at the White House used the term the Kung term. Flu. My question is, do Kung you think flu. that's wrong, Kung Flu? And do you think using the term Chinese virus, that puts Asian Americans at risk, that people no, might target not at them? All. No, not at all. I think they probably uh, would agree with it 100 percent. It comes from China. There's nothing not to agree. Okay, how about the last question? Yeah, th that... Honest to goodness, the president spent his entire time fielding questions from reporters. He, he using the War Powers Act, he, the the Defense Acquisition or the, the Defense Appropriation Act. He he's commanding businesses in this country who make medical devices to double it up. He's signing contracts now. He's sending a a hospital ship to New York City. There's data out that millennials actually are being affected in a way they didn't think, and yet this is what they've got him tied up with. Okay. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans. By the way, I, I, I need to correct myself. This was the first question. This was the first question asked, not the other one. This is the first question that the president took in the press conference after announcing all of these major things, including uh, that HUD is going to stop uh, mortgage foreclosures. In this country, your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot of people it comes say it's racist. 
It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I want to be accurate. Yeah, please, John. I have the great, I have great love uh, for all of the people from our country. But uh, as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe they stopped now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Uh, it comes from China. John, please. That was the very first question that came out of that press conference yesterday. Here's another one. I wonder if you agree with it. Do you believe that China is inflicting this upon our country? No, I don't believe they're inflicting. I think they could have given us a lot earlier notice. Absolutely. Please. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Yeah, Mr. President. Your, your credibility ratings are very low. There's a recent NPR poll. Who are you asking that question? Um, I'm asking. Because I see that they're very high. You know, if you look, I'm 95% of the Republican Party. Uh, we sir. just had a poll that was done by uh, uh, a very reputable group where I'm beating Sleepy Joe Biden by a lot in Florida, in the state of Florida and in other states. Uh, you know, so I don't really know who you're talking about. All right, Jennifer, go ahead. These were questions. He got four questions on whether use of the phrase Chinese virus is racist. And then uh, your credibility ratings are at an all time low. What are you going to do about it? Uh, let, let me let me play you some of the sound bites of the news that was made in the press conference that these reporters chose not to talk about. We're using the full power of government in response to the Chinese virus. I declared a state of national emergency that will make up to $50 billion in disaster relief funds available, which we can use to assist hospitals, which, as you know, we need. And then there's this from Dr. Burks. So we will see the number of people diagnosed dramatically increase over the next four to five days. I know some of you will use that to raise an alarm that we are worse than Italy because of our slope of our curve. To every American out there, it will be five to six days worth of tests being run in 24 to 48 hours. So our curves will not be stable until sometime next week. So do you get what she's saying? We're going to see a huge spike in COVID-19 cases in the United States in the next week. They know they're there. They know their social spread and they're ramping up the testing. They've expedited the testing process. They've got new tests that are much quicker to use. And she, what she's telling people is don't freak out. We, we already know this is happening. We're going to get verifiable data now to the extent of it. Uh, but don't think we've got we're going to let this run away like Italy did. Uh, you know, you had a lot of reporters out there. Say, oh, our graph of spread looks just like the Italian spread. Therefore, we're going to be just like Italy. And she say, no, we, we've got a handle on things in a way the Italians didn't. We sped it up. Uh, the press is very bad at this. And to some degree, that works to the president's advantage. Going back to Michael's last call on the on the politics of this, I, I we're going to have the election in November. And I suspect this winds up working to the president's advantage, which is, I mean, it, it helps the president to have the press corps ignoring the substance of what he's saying and focusing on the phrase Chinese virus. They can't help themselves at this point. And it actually makes the president look like the grown up in the room, ironically. Here's a little more of, of what he's doing that these reporters chose not to cover. Today, I'm also announcing that the Department of Housing and Urban Development is providing immediate relief to renters and homeowners by suspending all foreclosures and evictions until the end of April. So we're working very closely with Dr. Ben Carson and everybody from HUD. Uh, 
Every generation of Americans has been called to make shared sacrifices for the good of the nation. So there's the HUD news, and there's also this news. I would like to begin by announcing some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus. We'll be invoking the Defense Production Act just in case we need it. In other words, I think you all know what it is, and it can do a lot of good things if we need it, and we will uh, we will have it uh, all uh, completed, signing it in just a little while, right after I'm finished with this conference. I'll be signing it. It's prepared to go. So we will be invoking the Defense Production Act. <sighs> You know, when you've got the media unwilling to be serious, it's real hard to blame anyone else for not being serious. I see Josh Rogan. Uh, he is an editorial writer, a columnist at the Washington Post and a political analyst for CNN. Uh, he, he just put this tweet. Uh, I was stuck in line at Walgreens today for 20 minutes while a man tried to return his half-eaten bag of hard candy that he bought at a different Walgreens. I didn't like him, he said, brandishing his receipt. Time to cut this um, blankety-blank, people. Uh, yes. Wow. Um, ah, listen, people need to be serious about the virus. Uh, there's plenty of data out there. Uh, it's no time to be flippant. I don't like the fact I'm having to get out every day and go to the grocery store, uh, just to find stuff that we need in the house because people are hoarding, uh, products. It's, it's not, you know, the sad thing is a lot of the stuff that people are buying, they're never actually going to use toilet paper. Maybe eventually they'll use, but some of the stuff they're not going to use. I, I was amazed. For example, I went to Publix the other day. And again, I'm having to get up most mornings and go to the store to make sure we've got everything we need because you can't find stuff when you want to go. And so I'm having to go and, and I'm buying an extra one. I'm not buying 20 extra ones. I'm just buying one extra. Uh, this morning, there were there was a bunch of, of Jif Creamy peanut butter at the, at the grocery store. I've gone every day for a week and there hasn't been any. It has been on the grocery list for a week. So I went this morning and there were a bunch. I bought two. I always buy two anyway. Um, we always wait until we get down to the last one before we go. But I wasn't going to buy them all out thinking, hmm, I'm never going to see peanut butter again because there are other people who need them. It's also a WIC item. And there are some of those items that that, that people on WIC can't buy. I, I don't want to take from them. But there are some people who are going in and they're filling up grocery carts full of stuff. And, and the grocery stores are having to be the bad guys and limiting, uh, which is unfortunate. But it, what I noticed, what, what I thought was bizarre, is that people are going through and they're buying all of the meats in the refrigerated section, the raw meats, the the, the chickens, the beef. Not, not a lot of people buying pork. I'm a little bit disappointed at the people not buying pork. Um, you should. Um, but, but they're buying all this other stuff. And there were piles and piles of there were frozen ribs, frozen hamburgers, frozen hamburger meat, frozen chicken. Uh, I, I was kind of shocked at the people buying all the refrigerated stuff as opposed to the the already frozen stuff where you can take stuff out and and um, you can take stuff out and thaw it out as opposed to with the refrigerated stuff, you're going to have to freeze it. That just it makes no sense to me how some people plan out their buying stuff. Maybe I need to do an entire like podcast extra on how you should stockpile for crisis. Uh, although it's too late now because we're in the crisis and, and people have lost their minds. Uh, I, I do have to say a uh, real shout out to all the grocery store workers in America right now. In, in all seriousness, you got a bunch of people who are dealing with frazzled customers. You're trying to keep the place clean and in stock. Uh, you got people who are upset with you because they can't find their favorite item. You're doing the best you can. You're having to come to work. 
Um, and and you may get sick from some of these idiots who, who are going to the grocery store sick. We, we got to talk about the uh, Georgia legislature is in complete quarantine now. The House and the Senate in Georgia, Georgia, they're in quarantine. And they're in quarantine because a member of the Georgia legislature tested for coronavirus, had all of the symptoms, and showed up to vote on Monday in the special session instead of self-quarantining and has potentially infected members of the state Senate. Uh, we need to get into that, among other stories. When we come back, people are losing their damn minds over this stuff. Calm down, people. Just stay home. When you go to the grocery store, buy your grocery list. You can still go to the grocery store. The grocery stores aren't going to close. Even in crisis around the world where they've shut down everything, they're not shutting down the grocery stores. Don't panic. And we'll take more of your calls when we come back. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Don't forget, you can text data to three three seven seven seven, and I you'll sign up. You'll you'll get a link back, and it, so let me explain. Substance actually, it's a, it's a newsletter, and I'm writing it in long form every day. The resurgent has a bunch of content from a bunch of people uh, on on the website, uh, and I'm trying to do deep dives just for the people who want it. Uh, on the Substack side, and the deep dives, it's it's seven bucks to subscribe, but I'm also doing a, a regular update uh, from, um, just from me on all the links you need about COVID-19 as it spreads through Georgia and the nation, what the numbers are, what relevant links are out there, what the good data is saying, all, all of that stuff. Uh, and, um, if you want it, text data to three, three, seven, seven, seven. When you click the link, you'll see a subscribe, just put in your subscription. You don't have to pay. You'll, you'll be subscribed on the freebie. And as I send out the free stuff, you'll get it. Uh, Johnny and Macon, you're going to be next. Welcome. Yeah, Eric, you talking about people hoarding stuff. I don't understand why these grocery stores won't put a limit on all their items. I was at Kroger here in Macon yesterday. A couple come out with four grocery carts, two of them slammed full with two-liter drinks and canned drinks. The other two were slammed full of different brands of beer. Now, I'm sure they're on a shelf somewhere else that marked up at a higher price. Uh-huh. So they're just taking advantage of it. I don't understand why Kroger and these other stores will not put a limit on every item that you can buy. So they may very well do that. Um, but the reason they're not doing it right now, I actually asked this. This this is a good question. Um, it, the reason they're not doing it right now is because there are some issues where there are negative supply chain impacts. So, for example, in hand sanitizer and cleaners like Clorox wipes and stuff, there are supply chain problems, and so they are limiting. If you go to Kroger or Walmart or to Publix, there are signs up limiting you to two items. The reason they're not doing it on things like beer and soft drinks right now and, and a lot of the other items is because there aren't actually supply chain problems, and so they're going to get a shipment in the next day uh, or later that day, and they're afraid, actually, if they do put up the limited quantities, what you're actually going to see is more people slamming into the stores thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to get this again. Let me go buy my two right now, and that's going to cause more people to get into the grocery stores and potentially cause a health problem uh, in a time of social distancing. You're going to have a ton of people in the grocery store buying their two items, and they're trying to limit a panic uh, by not rationing the items that there's no supply chain problems for. For example, uh, bread is one of those issues right now. It is hard to find in a lot of grocery stores bread, uh, but every day the bread truck is making delivery. 
And because the bread truck is making delivery, uh, they are they're not rationing out bread. Now, in some cases, they may start uh, because you do begin to see supply chain problems as people, for example, at the at the bread manufacturer start getting sick or the people in the farms who are harvesting the wheat start getting sick, all, all those sorts of things. There's a trickle down. But for right now, they're trying to avoid the panic of limit because they know that people, if they do start limiting this stuff, will panic. Uh, William in Macon, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, I just wanted to comment about these uh, these media people. I, I watched the uh, press conference yesterday, and I got an idea that these uh, these liberal media people have been told by their bosses that if they get their five or ten seconds of airtime, they better ask uh, about the Chinese virus or the Kung Fu virus or whatever, or either they're going to be fired. So they're told to ask that, and they better do it. Well, you know, some of them may. uh, And and in fact, I do think there are some some outlets that game the questions. Um, There there are some particularly liberal outlets that do this. They game the questions they want to ask the president because they may have limited time. They may they they these collective reporters, five of them from different liberal outlets. One of them may get called on. And so they get together and they say, what are you going to ask? Let's all make sure we ask the same question. And a lot of them deeply care about this. But. There's also the situation of the CBS News reporter, and I, I want to get into that here in a little bit. Uh, CBS News's White House correspondent says a and a White House official referred to this virus as the Kung Flu, and I got to tell you, I at first thought it was funny, and and I kind of laughed about it. Uh, and uh, several friends of mine reached out and said, "Please, please don't encourage this. There actually are racist blankety blanks out there," and and I do think they're right. And as much as I thought it was kind of a funny play on words, um, I, I'm discouraging people from using it because, yeah, there are some serious racist people out there and they're using it. But but there's a catch with this reporter. She won't tell us who said it. She's just driving a news story and won't tell us who did it. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. I hope you're doing well in your self-quarantine. You know, I, I, I feel compelled to remind everyone You can always say to your device, I always say, hey, dingus, because I don't want to activate your Siri or Alexa or your your Google Home thing. Uh, Just, you know, how you say the the appropriate word, hey, dingus, listen to and whatever the radio station call letters are. So, for example, our flagship station is WGAU in Athens. So you say, hey, dingus, listen to WGAU radio. And while you're stuck at home and you're self-quarantined, you can still listen to the radio. And it doesn't matter which radio station, almost all of them are on. On the system now, uh, Apple, Amazon, Google, all working to make sure you get live radio in your home on their speaker devices, on their smart home devices. So you can do it here in Macon. Uh, our local news talk station, I happen to be on it now, uh, is WMAC. And, and so I can say, um, Alexa, play uh, WMAC radio, and it will do it. And I can get a live stream of my voice. It's actually really creepy to hear myself on the radio. Um, it, it's That's kind of what, like what I like. Uh, Chris Burns has a better voice than me on radio. Uh, and when he fills in for me, I'll listen to my show. But I otherwise will never listen to myself on the radio. Um, it's weird, though, to hear someone 
doing the Eric Erickson show and it's not me. Uh, speaking of, this hour is sponsored by Dynamic Money. You people probably need to think about your 401ks and what do you do? And, and if you're nervous, call Dynamic Money, dynamicmoney.com. They're sponsors to our show. They actually are my own personal financial advisor and have been before they were an advertiser here. So um, they're not. I'm not just saying this because they, they give money into the program. No, I, they actually are our financial advisor. Uh, and if you need help with your 401 K, uh, call Dynamic Money. Go to dynamicmoney.com and thank you to them for their sponsorship. Also, uh, I continue to send out uh, regular email updates about what's going on, the numbers, everything. We know there are now there's there's more of a spread in Georgia. We will be crossing 200 cases. Uh, there are cases now in Houston County, Bibb County, and Peach County in Middle Georgia. There had not been Middle Georgia cases. There are now confirmed cases. In Houston County is actually a doctor, apparently, uh, with uh, one of the healthcare groups down there who traveled, got it, came back, and, and I'm sure we're going to see a spike in cases down there. Uh, well, there's another situation here in Georgia, and y'all, I... I I should not chuckle at this. I, I shouldn't, but I kind of am. Uh, and it should be a lesson learned um, for everyone here uh, to, to take a lesson from State Senator Brandon Beach in Georgia. <sighs> wow. So. Uh, State Senator Brandon Beach, he, he was running for Congress in Georgia 6, and Michael Caldwell, who's in the State House, decided to run for Brandon Beach's State Senate seat. Beach dropped out of the congressional race, is now in the State Senate race again. Uh, I'm back in Michael, but I like Brandon. Uh, but I promised Michael I would support him when Brandon was running for Congress, and I'm not going to walk away from Michael. And I, I do wonder uh, if this is going to affect Brandon Beach's desire to to run after this. On Saturday, this past Saturday, now wait, 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 wait I got to set the stage for this. For two weeks, for two weeks, we have had Dr. Toomey and the governor holding near daily press conferences. And what have they said for two consecutive weeks? They have said, uh, if you have the virus, stay home. If you think you have the virus, stay home. If you have a fever, stay home. Uh, do whatever you possibly can. Um, whatever you can, do it to stay out of the public. Uh, call your doctor, tell them you have these symptoms, and see if you can get tested. Well, on Saturday, Brandon Beach had a cough, and he had a fever. And he had no explanation for why he would have a dry cough and a fever. So he called ahead and he got tested for COVID-19. And what do they tell you? It takes several days for the test to come back. So after you've been tested, the governor has said it. The president has said it. The, the vice president has said it. The head of the CDC has said it. The head of the National Institutes of Health has said it. The head of Department of Public Health in Georgia has said it. Once you've had the test, go into self-quarantine until... Until you have a test negative, a member of the state house had the coronavirus test and went into self-quarantine and could not be there on Monday for the special session. But Brandon Beach, who had a fever and a cough on Saturday and had the coronavirus test, went to the legislature on Monday for the special session, was in the Senate with his colleagues in a building with terrible ventilation. And he had it and is contagious. 
Meanwhile, Bruce Thompson, you should know, Bruce Thompson is a, is a good friend in the state legislature. He's been in ICU on a respirator, is now breathing on his own, um, and uh, posted on Facebook he had been in intensive care and was res- uh waiting for the test. An initial test came back negative. I guess he hadn't been on a respirator, but he had been uh, in ICU and was in isolation. His vitals are stable. He wasn't sure, um, but he kept himself away from everybody thinking that he may be contagious. Well, now the entire state legislature in Georgia and the Capitol press corps in Georgia are all having to be quarantined. The lieutenant governor is in quarantine now. The state senators are all in quarantine. The state speaker, the speaker of the house is in quarantine. And you know, they're in the building with the governor and that place has terrible ventilation. I'm assuming the governor is okay because the the virus only spread so far. It gets diffuse in air over time. Uh, But the state Senate now, because Beach did not listen to what the president, the vice president, the head of the CDC, the head of the National Institute of Health, the head of the Department of Public Health, and the governor himself and the lieutenant governor and the speaker have all said. And he went back. uh, He's everybody's got to be in quarantine. Uh, Pray for him, please. Uh, we are finding out more and more this virus is so random. Some people, there's actually a story at CNN where there's a pastor and a woman. Uh, they both got the virus at the same time. The pastor didn't even know it. He just had a cough that wouldn't go away. And he got tested and was positive. Uh, this woman was in ICU uh, and, and had terrible, terrible symptoms. We're now also finding that contrary to to all of the initial reports and all the data coming out of China, which is why we can't believe the Chinese, uh, that younger people, if people not, I, I shouldn't say young people. If you've got kids, they they genuinely don't need to fret. Uh, but millennials in their twenties and thirties are having more trouble, and part of it is their behavior. I do wonder about vaping. I, I, I genuinely, truly wonder: uh, is there a tie-in with vaping? I don't know. Or tobacco. We do know that people who smoke get this worse. But younger people are having extensive lung damage uh, if they get this. Uh, about 20 to 30 percent in the United States of hospitalized patients are people in their 20s and 30s, which all of the global data had suggested wouldn't be the case until it got into Western Europe. And in Western Europe, half the cases in ICU are young people. So as, as, the, as it evolves and moves around the world, as the virus evolves and, and we get more data, uh, what we were seeing, some of the things we thought initially that younger people were okay, turns out not necessarily to be true. Uh, 18 and less, yes. Uh, in fact, kids are affected and not having symptoms, and they turn, tend to be the typhoid Marys of this. They, they get it, they have no symptoms, and they infect other people who then do get symptoms. Uh, asymptomatic carriers are apparently the biggest problem here. People who get it and don't even know they're sick. So uh, that's why they want everybody to self quarantine. But but just just this is this is unfortunate. Um, the lieutenant governor Jeff Duncan said that uh, in a statement he has had to go into self isolation. Uh, Beach's diagnosis is a reminder to heed the warnings of Governor Kemp and the Trump administration. We've got to take this seriously. Uh, Jen Jordan, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Dugan, uh, Senator Renee Unterman, who's running for Congress, they've all gone into isolation now. Uh, Every member of the General Assembly has received a memo from the Department of Public Health 
urging them how to closely monitor their health for the next two weeks after being exposed to the virus. The governor said Thursday he didn't plan to get screened for the illness because he severely limited his interactions. He entered the Capitol on Monday from a first-floor entrance, went straight to his office. He didn't interact with any members of the legislature. He was asked to come speak to the caucus meetings, told him it was a bad idea. He did it by phone instead. Lawmakers have now indefinitely suspended the session. You know what's kind of ironic here? is they stayed in the building far longer than they had to because the Speaker and House Republicans didn't want to give the governor plenary emergency power. So they want to come back in a month. Having had this happen, they want to come back in a month. Ultimately, it was the Senate struck a compromise that, okay, if we're well enough to come back in a month, we will. And if we can't come back in a month, if we can't get a quorum in a month, we'll let the governor extend it himself, uh, which was the carve-out provision. It was smart that they did this because now, I mean, given the way this shapes up, they may not be able to come back in a month because everybody's on hold for this thing. whole thing's just just blindingly ridiculous. And, you know, there's all sorts of bad blood out there right now um, already in the legislature. Uh, There are a number of people who were Casey Cagle supporters who they just still can't get a grip on the fact that he didn't win because uh, there were all sorts of promises made about people's futures and those all came undone and people are all upset about it. You got the the Speaker of the House trying to capitalize on it with power plays in the state legislature and that's generated bad blood. And now you've got Michael Caldwell, a member of the state House who's running for Beach's seat. It was an empty seat. He was running unopposed. And suddenly now he's got to run against Beach and, and you've got his friends in there who are using it against Beach. And and I can't blame him, to be honest. I, I, I feel bad for the guy, but I mean, he may very well have infected members of the state Senate. Now, there are some the libertarians out there like, oh, why is that a bad thing? We can keep them all home. The rest of us. We should be concerned in any event. Uh, Bruce Thompson, who's been in ICU, uh, pray for him and pray for Brandon Beach and pray for the members of the legislature, all of whom could. I mean, there are a lot of old people there. And this impacts the elderly more than more than most. Uh, thankfully, though, it does appear again that over 80 percent of the cases are mild. Uh, which is a good thing. Uh, so please, please remember that. Please consider that. Uh, I do have to tell you, by the way, um, I, I got an email from a listener. I don't want to give his name out. Um, and, but let me, this is a listener. He's a regular listener. He interacts with me on email and he sent me this. The virus is no joke. I'm 30 years old. And while the doctors cannot test for the disease due to the shortages, I have it. My doctors believe that because of the sudden onset of symptoms, I obtained it via my ride-sharing job. My primary job is as a teacher. My wife and I are both under quarantine at home, and I've developed pneumonia. It's hard to breathe at times, which is why we finally went to the ER yesterday. They ruled out flu. They ruled out strep. This virus is no joke. To Governor Kemp, I'm one of your biggest supporters, but you need to lock it down now. People are still traveling and going about their business like this is no big deal. It's not the seasonal flu. ER doctors are only testing the most serious cases. They told me they've released dozens of suspected cases to self-quarantine without reporting those cases to the Department of Public Health. Now's the time to act, folks. Uh, He did send along a picture of his uh, treatment of where he was treated. Um, And uh, listen, I'm hearing more and more of these reports that there is social spread. And I'm sure there's social spread. We now have cases in middle Georgia where, uh, from what we know, 
these people have no idea how they got it. They clearly came into contact with someone who had it. They don't know. Uh, and they're having to now self-quarantine. As of right now, at uh, 10, 19 a.m., there are 9,415 cases within the United States here in Georgia. There are 193 active cases. Four people have died, a total of 197 cases. We have zero people recovered, but keep in mind you got to get another test to get the recovery, so that's what's throwing things off. Uh, and the number keeps growing. And I continue to hear from people whose livelihoods are being wiped out saying this really is no big deal. We've got 9,415 people infected in a nation of 350 million people and only 150 people dead. This is no big deal. My livelihood is being ruined for this. Keep in mind the reason why. Because all of the modeling, it's now not just Imperial College in London, it's now uh, American institutions have well have conducted the modeling. Given the spread of the disease and the fatality rate of the disease, if it spreads like the flu, which would happen if we went about as business as normal, if it spreads like the seasonal flu, you're talking a minimum of hundreds of thousands of Americans dead. If it were to, in the worst case scenario, is 4 million people dead because it would be about 2 million from the virus itself and another 2 million people who couldn't get the primary health care, urgent health care they needed because of all the coronavirus patients who would be tying up resources. That's why we're doing what we're doing. I know to a lot of people it doesn't make sense, and I know to a lot of people it looks like an overreaction. And this is part of the reason the governor doesn't want to clamp down further than he already is, because he doesn't want people to get into a habit of defying the law, and he doesn't want to get to a scenario where it actually does work, the clampdown does work, but then people say, well, it wasn't the clampdown, it was something else, and if we have a flare back up, as experts are saying we could in the wintertime, nobody takes it seriously, and it's even worse. I think the, the governor is probably being very judicious in how he does it, but he's starting to get heat for that, and we should talk about it when we come back. I... Willing to take your phone calls today, and, and we'll be flexible with calls. I know people are getting kind of stir-crazy. In the next hour, I want to specifically take calls if you've got uh, streaming recommendations, movie recommendations, uh, TV show recommendations. Uh, let's share them with each other. Uh, some of the ones that I've got, though, they're, they're not kid-friendly. Everybody keeps telling me to watch Narcos, and I'm going to start in my home confinement. Uh, the phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Hold off on your recommendations for, for entertainment until next hour, though. Uh, anything else, feel free to call in. And I, I want to just implore you again. There are a lot of restaurants in this state uh, that have been serving you regularly. And it's time to serve them. Uh, I'm assuming you guys know what Nextdoor is. It, it, what, a, what a weird little app and website. And I, I guess I shouldn't say it that way. But I find it very interesting, uh, their model. So Nextdoor is like Facebook for your neighborhood. And the way you get into Nextdoor is you start an account and then you can uh, designate your neighborhood and send postcards to the people in your neighborhood. And they get a postcard with a, hey, please join Nextdoor and here's a code to get into Nextdoor. Uh, and you put that code in and it signs you up and it verifies that you're actually in the neighborhood. Uh, so it's it's people who aren't in your neighborhood can't actually get into Nextdoor. I mean, I, I guess they're, they're, they can if they set their mind to it. Uh, but then neighborhoods can organize. And so, for example, we had a situation where AT&T has put fiber into our neighborhood. And there was this huge conversation on next door about people in the neighborhood because these two young men were coming through the neighborhood who did not work for AT&T and were knocking on doors uh, advertising AT&T. And it did turn out AT&T had 
contracted with an outside entity. And despite the no solicitation policy in the neighborhood, they were coming through with iPads trying to sign people up. And that that made people sketchy. They, they actually came to my door. One of them did. And I could see him on my security camera. I went out and talked to him for a minute. Uh, but he was actually very, very nice. Um, he, he was a young guy, had his iPad, and he came up. He knocked on the door. And then he immediately stepped all the way to the end of the porch, uh, to the edge of the porch, uh, and made sure to face away from the house so nobody could accuse him of looking in windows or anything like that, that he was a burglar. That Ultimately, people did call the police, and I think um, – had them question and I don't blame them. I, I do not blame them. We, we live in a neighborhood where we have had car break-ins and, and uh, things like that. And people don't like solicitation in the neighborhood. You know, the one that bugs me the most is the pine straw guys. And I shouldn't be that way, but I, I get pine straw from my landscape company. And there are people who come in and they go door to door knocking and saying, do you want pine straw? We'll put out pine straw. And I, I just, it, I, I wish that we got no solicitation and, and I, that one creeps me out because then the, if they do, they're all over in your backyard and they're looking in the neighbor's yard and, and I'm sure they're hard workers and good people, but I just, that one bothers me in any event. Um, so you got next door, you, you got Facebook, you got a church registry, you got your church group, you got your small group, you got your circle of friends, adopt a restaurant, adopt a restaurant. Uh, there are lots of restaurants who need your help to stay open. They have been open. And when we get out of this situation, you're going to want them there. But the only way to get them there and the only way to keep them going is to engage right now with them and get to-go orders. Now, people are worried about the to-go orders. What if somebody works in the restaurant and has the, has the, the, the virus? Well, the heat of the food is going to kill the virus. You do have to worry about the plastic bags that the food are in. So here's what you do. You go get the food. You put the food in your car. You put hand sanitizer on your hands. You drive home. You carry the food on inside. You get all the food out of the plastic bags. You wash your hands again. Throw the plastic bag away. Wash your hands again. Plate the food. Wash your hands again, and then you eat, and you'll be fine. Just keep washing your hands. Wash your hands. Soap and water. It is amazing that soap and water can take care of this issue. Uh, and and you should be washing your hands regularly if you're going into the house. That We do know there's lots of data out there now that uh, the virus does last on plastics and metals other than copper. It doesn't do well with copper, but steel in particular. Uh, steel and uh, plastics, it, it, it lasts longer. On soft stuff, it doesn't last very long. So your clothes, your fabrics, uh, paper bags, it doesn't work as well. Your, uh, believe it or not, your your unsanitary reusable bags from Kroger and Publix and other grocery stores, it actually doesn't survive. A lot of garbage does, but this doesn't. Uh, but just wash your hands. Uh, avoid contact. The thing that I don't like are the people queuing up for the self-checkouts at the grocery stores. Everybody getting close together when we're supposed to be six feet apart. The, they should turn off the self-checkouts at the grocery stores right now because people cluster around those. Um, but they're not doing that. And we may have to think about that and Apple Pay for all the grocery stores coming up. Let's deal with a tale of three governors. Um, it, it's almost the uh, a Goldilocks thing for Brian Kemp. Um it just so let's take Mike DeWine. There are three Republican governors: the governor of Ohio, the governor of Georgia, and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, is taking extreme measures, uh, going so far as to defy a court order to hold an election on Tuesday. Uh, DeWine ordered polling locations in Ohio closed down, even though a court said the election had to go on, uh, and will probably have no political repercussions from it. Uh, DeWine has ordered all businesses to shut down except grocery stores, banks, pharmacies, uh, and um, 
Oh, what is the other one? Grocery stores, pharmacies, banks, gas stations, uh, and telling uh, all of these that stay open that they've got to check the temperature of employees who come to work in the morning, send them home if they have temperature. Uh, he's being highly, highly aggressive. Uh, Ohio has fewer cases than Georgia. Known cases, I should say. At this point, it is common wisdom that uh, the virus is spreading uh, throughout the country, uh, whether or not it's been detected or not. In There are 89 confirmed cases in uh, Ohio right now. There are 193 in Georgia. And DeWine is being highly aggressive, shutting everything down. And in Florida... Ron DeSantis has had to be prodded into doing it. I, I got to play this audio for you from CBS News. Uh, these are the CBS went down to Miami and interviewed a bunch of spring breakers who had gone down to Miami for spring break to have a good time. And oh, my goodness gracious. Listen. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know, I've been waiting. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. About two months we've had this trip planned. Two, three months. So we're just out here having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. Like, it's really messing up with my spring break. What is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach and they're closing all of it? It's really messing up. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. I think it's doing way too much. Doing us bad. We need a refund. This virus ain't that serious. It's serious. It's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty, and we need to address that. Yeah, I mean, we planned this a long time ago, and it was kind of up in the air if we still go, but, like, we're here. I just turned 21 this year, so I'm here to party, so it's kind of disappointing, but we're just making the most of it. We met these other people in our little Airbnb spot, so we're just hanging out with them and trying to get drunk before everything closes. I mean, it sucks, but... We're going to make the best of it. We're enjoying ourselves. It sucks. And I'm from New Orleans, so this really sucks. However, we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're having day parties all day. It's my birthday, St. Patrick's Day. Turn up. We're just trying to roll with the boy. We're just living for the moment. We're just going for, we're just going to do what happens, when it happens. When stuff closes, we're going to do it when it closes. But uh, uh, besides that, we're just trying to have the best trip we can. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just trying to have a good time. Well, DeSantis refused to do anything and, uh, he came under extraordinary criticism from not just the media, but from Republican officials in Florida and from the Republican senators in Florida and from, uh, the white house team. And so he's now closed all restaurants and bars, but he's not closing the beaches. He's not, he's not getting people off the beaches. And uh, we now know that Palm Beach and the Tampa Bay area are hot spots for the virus in Florida. And so in that areas, uh, people have come into contact with people and they're going to get on planes and they're going to fly home after spring break and they may be contagious and further spread the virus in, in parts north. So he's coming to all sorts of criticism. Uh, DeWine is not really coming under press criticism for behaving like a dictator and, and shutting down everything. I mean, shutting down Ohio's economy to stop the virus. Uh, and, and Ron DeSantis is coming under criticism for not responding aggressively. In the middle of this is all of Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp is is kind of uh, he's getting criticism. In fact, I, I and this is not a this is not a a criticism of Greg Bluestein at the AJC. I, I, please don't take this as a criticism of Greg Bluestein. But um, I do want to read this to you so you get a sense of it. 
armed with broad new authorities to spin state laws and limit gatherings, Governor Brian Kemp has so far used his powerful pulpit to do a lot of urging. He's recommended that nursing homes restrict visitors. He's nudged clergy members to hold online services and organizers to reconsider events. And on Wednesday, he encouraged Georgians to steer clear of packed restaurants and bars, even as he balked at insisting they be closed. We can't just shut things down. I think it would be counterproductive, and I don't know that our citizens would buy into that, Kemp said during a radio interview. We have to take an approach that is aggressive, but also people feel like is warranted. Some health experts warn keeping restaurants and bars open risk extending the threat of an illness that has gotten at least 197 in Georgia sick and linked to three deaths so far, four now. It's also at odds with growing numbers of governors in other states, including several Georgia's neighbors who have announced restrictions to stem the spread of the disease. Kemp, empowered by an unprecedented public health emergency declaration to take similar steps, has drawn sharp criticism for for refusing to do so. He's not showing a bit of leadership, and he's passing the buck down the line, said George Basco, the executive director of Rise and Dine, an Emory Village eatery that closed Sunday. I'm appalled at the guy because there are literally hundreds of bars and restaurants open, and staffers are telling me they're scared they don't feel safe being there. They're echoed by some Georgia Democrats who point to guidance from the CDC to avoid gatherings of 10 or more. In the past few days, Florida shut down bars and nightclubs for 30 days. North Carolina ordered all restaurants to close for dine-in customers, and leaders in Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York shuttered movie theaters, gyms, and casinos in a regional effort to stem the outbreak. In other parts of the state where coronavirus cases have yet to surface, local business owners and city officials are more reluctant to urge Kemp to reverse course. Catherine Wood, the manager of Miss Jane's Restaurant, one of the only dining eateries in Warrington in East Georgia where there's no uh, viruses confirmed, a shutdown even temporarily would force Wood and five other restaurant employees out of work. One of our employees has five children and no other income. It's going to really hurt a small business. I hope the governor holds off. I'd hate to see them close us down. It would sure hurt a lot of people in this small town, but I feel like it's going to happen before long, and I don't know what we're going to do. Mayor Phil Best of Dublin, a city of 16,000 with no known cases of the virus, ticked off the precautions his community was taking. City halls closed to the public. Restaurants are limiting orders to curbside pickup. Most restaurants are live streaming. For the time being, it's fine like that. I've got full confidence in the way the governor's handling it. He's a real estate agent. He's the president of the Georgia Municipal Association. I'm a big believer in local rule, and that's where it comes down to with the governor. Let me give you the current audit trail now for the state of Georgia. It's going to be updated at noon, so the current one does not have the cases uh, in Peach and Bibb County. At noon, it will be updated to reflect that, and we're going to start seeing a big spike in the cases in Georgia. But right now, uh, we have in Whitfield County one case, in Gordon County three cases, in Rome we've got six cases, in Bartow County 19 cases, in Cherokee County nine, in Forsyth County two, in Hall County we've got three, in Clark County five, one in Barrow County, seven in Gwinnett County, 49 in Fulton County, 28 in Cobb County, two in uh, Paulding County, one in Polk County, two in Troop County, three in Coweta County, eight in Fayette County, six in Clayton County, two in Henry County, uh, no more in Rockdale County, they moved that person, three in Newton County, one in Houston County, one in Bibb County, one in Peach County, two in Lee County, uh, seven in Darty County, 
five in Lowndes County and one in Charlton County. That's what we have. And there are parts of Georgia that haven't been affected at all. There are parts of rural Georgia that haven't been affected at all. And the governor's view on this in Georgia is that uh, people should stop congregating. People should stop going to restaurants. People should stop going to bars. People should not go to movie theaters. People do not need to go to uh, nursing homes. And people do not need to go into churches, have live stream church. Uh, You know, so I've been told that that my church, one of the things they're thinking of doing, if they can pull it off, is drive-in church. Now, how would that work? You know how you can go through Christmas lights in places and you can tune to an FM channel and everybody hear the music together, everybody hear the Christmas music together? Uh, What they're thinking of doing is getting everybody in the parking lot with their cars and doing an FM transmitter so the preacher can be up front and have the sermon and people can just be in their cars for the worship service. So you're still together, you still got community, but you're in your cars uh, minimizing your contact with, with everybody else, which I think is actually a pretty cool idea. Everybody's still going to church. You're still in the habit of going to church. Um, put a bucket out um, where people can throw so their money and checks in for tithing, but you're still having church. It's it's parking lot church. It's drive, drive-in movie theater church. I think that's an awesome idea. But the governor, unlike DeSantis in Florida that only acted under pressure and otherwise hasn't done a lot, or the governor of Ohio who has done uh, gone overboard, some people think, uh, the governor of Georgia is essentially urging people to do the right thing without demanding they do it. And I've got to tell you, I think it's the right approach. A free people who are unwilling to do the right thing unless the government compels them will not for long be willing to do the right thing after government compels them. A, a people who refuse to quarantine unless Uncle Sam or, or or big government or Brian Kemp says you've got to quarantine, they're not going to do it for long. And this is going to be, based on what all the experts are thus far saying, a, a longer-term situation than a lot of people want. So the governor having a um, ha- having the approach of here's what you need to be doing and going out there every day and telling them to do it and encouraging restaurants to close down and letting the mayors and county commissions of areas do what they need to do, I think is smart. In Clark County, they've put in a, a voluntary curfew. They may make it mandatory. There are a couple of other counties in Georgia that are looking at mandatory curfews. There are counties in Georgia, there are cities in Georgia where they are limiting uh, restaurants. Uh, the mayor of Atlanta is essentially closing restaurants to indoor service. A lot of restaurant owners are doing the right thing and shutting down. Some restaurant owners aren't doing. But I I just, I I find it funny, and I don't mean to pick on this person, um, but look at this person in um, in George Basco, the executive director of Rise and Dine, an Emory Village eatery that closed on Sunday. He's not showing a bit of leadership, and he's passing the buck down the line. I'm appalled at the guy because there are literally hundreds of bars and restaurants open, and staffers are telling me they're scared. They don't feel safe being there. This guy closed his business, and he's mad that the governor won't close all the other businesses. And he says that that he's upset as staffers are scared. So you know what I'm hearing from the restaurant industry is that uh, employees are mad that they're being put out of work. And they're willing to take their chances because of the income. Uh, and here's this guy saying exactly the opposite of what everyone else in the industry is saying. And, and part of me wonders, one, I assume if he's in Emory Village, he probably didn't vote for the governor to begin with. And two, uh, he's probably upset that that he's closed down and other restaurants, except in that area, by and large, everybody's closed down. They're doing to-go service and he's not even doing to-go service. 
And I don't mean to pick him out on that, but but it, it it's it's a rather selfish thing, I think, for him to decide that every other business in the state needs to be shut down because he shut his business down and the governor should make everyone do it. Uh, I think at some point government's got to know its place. And I think the governor is doing the right thing by telling people, here's what you need to do. But I'm not yet going to crack my whip on you, and, and, and I'm going to see if you do it yourself. I don't want the governor to I, – I don't want him to have this power, and the governor himself does not want to use the power that he's been given. He asked for the power in case he needs to use it, and he doesn't want to use it. Real leadership is not using the power that you could use and instead asking people to do the right thing themselves. Real leadership is calling on the people to be their best selves instead of forcing them by government fiat to do what you want them to do. And that's what Kemp is doing, and I think it's the right thing to do, and it's a very difficult balance because if it spreads, he's going to get attacked for not being a dictator. But if it doesn't spread, if we're able to contain it because people do the right thing, then he's positioned himself perfectly. But then there's the other thing here as well, and I think this is where the governor is right, and this is why I fall down on his side on this. There are people who say we're going to have to do this until July. I am one of the first people I know in talk radio who has said repeatedly since January, we got to pay attention to this. It hadn't happened here yet, but it might. And then when it happened here, this is going to be serious. We need to take action. Stop downplaying it. I've been blown up and criticized by friends. I've been blown up and criticized by by people who support the president who thought I was overplaying it. I've been blown up and criticized by, by colleagues of mine in talk radio. And here we are. Everything I said is happening. Well, let me tell you this. There is not an American living under the age of 60, I think, who's going to be willing to lock themselves in their house until July. I don't believe it. People are going to go stir crazy. They're going to want to be back out in society. We are communal creatures by nature. We are going to start congregating again in a matter of weeks. And that may cause the virus to spread again. I just, I, 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 I think we're going to have to go with the South Korean model. Now, what is the South Korean model? I, I think we're probably about to see a big shift in this country towards the South Korean model. And a lot of public health experts are saying in lieu of people being unable to contain themselves, we need to do that. And it wouldn't surprise me if the governor's going to head in that direction. I think he's doing the right thing. I understand the, I understand the media. I understand the sentiment from the press. But I also understand the governor's right. People need to be willing to do the right thing without him demanding it. But he will. He told me the other day in my interview. He will if people don't do what they need to do. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Javi in Athens, going to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Eric. Uh, I just had a, two questions. Um, why was the USA so backed up in testing and all that? And I was just pondering on that thought the past week and or so, and I was just thinking if our testing would have been on point like South Korea was, I think we could have been ahead of the curve, quarantined the right people, just been a- ahead of the curve in so many things. And I don't think mm-hmm. we, you know, if we would have been ahead of, in testing, we could have been ahead on so many things where we wouldn't have to take the measures that we're taking now. 
and so I just wanted to know your thoughts on the whole Yeah, listen, and, and this is the president is getting beat up for this, and it's not his fault. And, and Dr. Fauci has pointed out it's it's not the president's fault here. This is the, the, the bureaucracy. Uh, and it is not fair to beat up the president over the delay in testing. The, the CDC and the federal bureaucracy would not authorize private lab tests. They insisted that only they could do the tests. And the initial test that they developed uh, had a reagent in it that was flawed and didn't quite work, and they had to redo it. And they were slow to roll out tests. It was only when the president got involved and the vice president got involved that they forced the federal bureaucracy to allow private labs to develop their own tests. And the FDA expedited those tests. Uh, this has nothing to do with the government or it has nothing to do with the president. It has everything to do with the bureaucracy of the federal government, which is a reason why uh, we should be careful in letting the government have even more control over our health care in this country. It's a real, real problem. They screwed it up. The president gets the blame because he's the commander in chief. But, you know, if Barack Obama was president, uh, they would not blame him. The, the FDA, the, the, the bureaucracy would have done the same thing. But the media would not be blaming Obama in the way they're blaming Trump. Now, what is South Korea doing? Because I think this is the model that uh, the governor, I think, wants to head to, and that is uh, wholesale nationwide testing, or in this case, wholesale statewide testing. Everybody gets a test. If you test negative, you go about your business. You test positive, you have to be quarantined and get another test uh, later. Everybody in your household has to be quarantined with you. Uh, and that's what South Korea has begun doing. They're doing nationwide testing in South Korea. Everybody gets a test. You have to stay home. Uh, a lot of people, they, they get tested only if they have symptoms, but they get tested once they have symptoms and everyone they've come into contact with is, is quarantined and has to be tested. And the full weight of the government comes down on them to make sure they're quarantined. And that's what South Korea is doing. And the result is South Korea has gotten a handle on this fairly quickly. Now, we are ramping up nationwide testing in the country. And as we are ramping up nationwide testing, I suspect we're going to go to that model. The South Koreans are making people wear masks in public, and they're making people take tests. And just like you have to take the census, they're almost making it mandatory. you got to take the test. And if you take the test and it's clear, you go about your business. You take the test, and it comes back positive for the virus, uh, whether it's a false positive or real positive. You go into quarantine uh, for two weeks, and then you can take the test again. And if it's negative, you come out. But everybody in your family has got to be in quarantine with you if they live in the same house with you. And what they're doing in South Korea is you're not allowed to lose your job. Uh, you're not allowed to have financial penalty in your life uh, while you're in quarantine to incentivize you to stay home and not feel obligated to go work. Uh, it's not a bad solution, frankly, if we get enough tests. But part of that is we got to have enough tests. Those tests are coming, and we may wind up in a situation here where if the scientists are right that we can have a second wave of this as temperatures cool back down in the fall, uh, we may very well go to this model where everybody's got to start having tests and, and be quarantined and things like that. Um, problematic, but this is our new reality right now until a vaccine can be developed or a viral medicine can be put forward that actually works against this thing. Well, I got some news for you, and, and I want to tread carefully here on this, please, because it is just now circulating out there, uh, and it is circulating 
by a, a number of respected people, including uh, Gregory Regano, who's an advisor to Stanford University School of Medicine. Uh, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Uh, if you want to call in with your uh, movie and TV show recommendations for people who are all self-quarantined, feel free to call in. Uh, taking those in this hour, if you got stuff you think I should watch on TV, uh, let me know. But uh, so Gregory Regano, he is an advisor at Stanford. Uh, he is one of the co-authors of a paper, uh, and it turns out uh, it looks like it looks like it looks like that a malarial drug called HCQ combined with the antibiotic uh, erythromycin uh, is actually having solid effects uh, on. Um, is having solid effects on the virus. Uh, after six days, 100% of patients treated with a combination of a ZPAC and HCQ, the malarial drug, were virologically cured of the disease. It has now been peer-reviewed. Uh, that being said, there is also uh, a Japanese flu drug uh, that the Chinese are saying it proved to be com uh, clearly effective uh, in people with infections, except for people with heavy infections. Uh, people with heavy infections did not do as well, but it appears that even people with heavy infections are doing well with uh, a Z-Pack and HCQ. A Z-Pack, of all things. Uh, you know, my doctor keeps a Z-Pack on file for me because I often get this, um, and it is viral, and I know it's viral, uh, but we have found actually that the Z-Pack actually does, when I don't take the Z-Pack, we, we've, we've actually experimented on my body over several years. I have a, I have a wonderful doctor, and I'm not going to tell you who he is uh, because his, his practice is slammed with people, and I, I got to text him to be able to get in. Um, but he's a genius uh, and is so well-read, and over several years, every single year, I get the same thing in the springtime. And it is 100% viral, and we know it is 100% viral. Um, and the reason we know it's viral is because we can test my white blood cell count. It doesn't spike like it would if it was a bacterial infection, but we have tried it. Um, some years I get it twice. And if I don't take a pack, I can have it for 10 days. In fact, I got it this year, uh, when I lost my voice, it was the same freaking thing at the end of January. Usually I get it this time of year. I got it in January. Uh, and it, it, it has to do with pollen and other stuff. But anyway, uh, if, if I don't treat it with anything, it will be two weeks of just misery. If I take a Z-Pack, you take the Z-Pack five days uh, and it's gone. Uh, but it's viral. And, and I, I don't know how it works, but every year now he keeps me a Z-Pack on file because that works. And here a Z-Pack that doctors dismiss is no big deal. Combined with a malarial drug, uh, after six days, 100% of patients uh, virolo virologically cured. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be hospitalized and stuff like that. And it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Uh, but they have pushed this out from Stanford University today. Uh, now, it does look like Favipiv... I can't even say this. Favipiravir. I have no idea. It's a Japanese drug. Uh, it's, it is faster. You get over it in four days versus six days with the Z-Pak malarial drug combination. But on heavy infections, it doesn't work well. Um, in Barcelona, there's been a massive trial with the malarial drug and uh, they are beginning to probe it. Uh, this is the these are good signs that the world scientific and medical community are working very, very fast uh, to speed this up. Um, and there's also a I'm seeing now people in 
New York City who are beginning to be treated with this antiviral drug and this malarial combination with z and people are starting to show success. This is encouraging. And again, this is very preliminary. Uh, it is the source of the paper who is out uh, sharing this. Uh, his identity is confirmed and he this this is encouraging news, but still it is preliminary. It is preliminary. And we got to be cautious as this stuff circulates. We don't want to build false hope and see things come crashing down on us. Uh, at the same time, the Babylon Bee is out with a very helpful guide. If, if, if uh, the Wuhan virus is racist, if the Wuhan virus is racist, the, the Babylon Bee has a helpful guide on how to stop using racist terminology. So instead of using Wuhan virus, we should call it the lung pal sickness. <laughs> lung pal sickness. <laughs> the black death. Uh, the black death, we should refer to it as the death of color. <laughs> instead of using the phrase Indian giver, use the phrase Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> instead of Canadian bacon, it is to be referred to as geopolitically irrelevant inferior bacon. Instead of Mexican jumping beans, it's Latinx arica, uh, uh, acrobatic moth larvae. Mexican jumping beans are Latinx acrobatic moth larvae. Instead of a Chinese dictator, we're going with austere totalitarian scholar. And instead of Japanese cartoons, it's called anime and it's totally normal for adults to watch it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well played by the Babylon Bee. Very, very, very well played by the Babylon Bee. Now, I want to get into some of the streaming services. So, you know, one of the great things, if you have an internet connection, and I realize some of you don't have great internet connections. Um, I've got my, I got a business line from Cox, and I think I keep thinking of expanding the speed of it. I actually need, if somebody from Cox is listening, I actually need to get it. So I put a business line in. The reason I put a business line is I know they say there aren't caps, but very curiously, we were going through our internet connection and we were continuing to get notices from Cox that we had hit the the our bandwidth uh, for the month, our bandwidth allotment or some such. And the internet slowed to a crawl. And they kept saying, we don't cap your bandwidth. But it curiously began to slow to a crawl. So I put a business line in and the problem went away. And now I need to get the business line moved because if you watch my live stream for the show, uh, it's over a Wi-Fi to the internet router and I need to get an actual Ethernet line in so it's more stable because sometimes it's not stable and I know it's on my end. And I just need the Cox people to come move it from upstairs to, to my office downstairs where I had a previous connection I got rid of. Uh, I will have to do that for you people who watch the video live stream. We're actually video live streaming today on Facebook and Twitter and and uh, YouTube and the like. But, uh, and it's a fairly stable connection today as, as they are, they've amped up everything for all the people at home. So now, so now um, I want to... Uh, talk about movies and live streaming and the benefits of it all. But there's a good question out there that I should answer first. Uh, George, in Covington, Georgia. George, you're going to be up next before I move on to anything else. Welcome. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Um, I just had a, I just, a thought came to me. I, I, I can't be the first person that came up with this, but you know how there's a shortage of ventilators out there? Mm-hmm. 
What if the medical people, as a stopgap measure, used CPAP machines? Ha! Ah, as, as the proud owner of a CPAP machine, I can answer this one for you. Um, and having I been have a CPAP machine as well. Yeah. It, well, you know, when I had those blood clots uh, and had to be in the hospital, and my lungs were shutting down on me, I, I'm I have terrible sleep apnea. But uh, the 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 pulmonary pressure, actually, I'm I'm on. It doesn't matter weight or anything. I've I've had sleep apnea even when I was a scrawny kid. Uh, but then after I had the blood clots, it became mandatory for me. I, I'm actually, I have to travel with my CPAP machine uh, because I have a pulmonary pressure problem caused by, caused by the blood clots and, and I very literally could die in my sleep. Uh, if if I don't right. use it um, because of the pulmonary problem after these blood clots, but it works differently from a ventilator. And so a ventilator would, uh, with a ventilator, there, there's ventilation and intubation along the way. Uh, you don't stick a tube down anybody's throat uh, with the CPAP machine and you would with the ventilator, um, the way the ventilator typically works. And the, the CPAP seal doesn't work the same way a ventilator seal does. So I've wondered that myself. And, and honest to goodness, George, I've thought to myself, if I get this thing and I've got to wear this mask at night to sleep and I start coughing, um, what on earth is going to happen to me? I, I don't know. Um, and I'm in the technical high risk category as well. So uh, you and me both having to wear them, we, we got to be careful around people with this stuff. And then my wife's cancer on top of it. Although, you know, interestingly enough, and George, thanks. I'm going to let you go there. But thank you very much for that. Um, I, I, I did wonder about that. And for those of you who don't know how a CPAP machine works. So you wear a mask and it it increases the pressure of the air that goes down your throat. So a lot of times there, there's a pressure gap and you begin to snore as you, you pause breathing. Like I've got, um, I, I, if I don't, well, let me, let me back up just so you guys, I, I'll do, listen, I'll do full disclosure with you people. Um, when my wife and I first got married, we slept in separate bedrooms for about six months because I snore so bad. Her parents have this big house and I would sleep in the basement by myself in this house and would wake up her family upstairs because I snored so loud. When I was in junior high, I mean, this is not like a new condition for me. When I was in junior high and we had um, group events, uh, I was the kid no one wanted to have to share a room with because I snored in middle school and high school. And I ultimately went to an ENT and they realized that I actually had a, a bone spur in my nose. They assumed I had broken my nose or something. Uh, it wasn't just a deviated septum. There was actually a blockage. And so six months into our marriage, they had to reconstruct my nasal passageways. This is way more than you ever want to know. And the problem went away for a while, but it ultimately came back. And then I, in 2016, I had a lot of blood clots in my lungs. And it has caused some permanent pulmonary uh, damage uh, to the, the, the uh, artery that goes into my lungs. And so they put me on a CPAP machine now. It's an adjust, it's called an APAP machine. It's an adjustable pressure machine. And so the, the pressure fluctuates depending on how I'm sleeping. But essentially, it as you inhale, it pours more air down your throat to keep you from snoring. And I actually can't sleep without it. And in fact, they're worried I've got to have a battery backup for it if the power goes out of the house. Uh, that's how critical it is to me being able to sleep with this thing. It's, it's medically necessary uh, for me to be able to sleep. Uh, and it has nothing to do with weight in my case. I could stand to use weight, lose weight. And man, it's killing me not to. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed going to this gym I've been going to until I can't go anymore. Uh, and my goodness, um, it, it's just, it's, it's killing me. But 
Um, I can't. And it doesn't matter with me with weight, though. With a lot of people, if you lose weight, your sleep apnea goes away. With me, I've had it since my entire family has it. It is genetic. Um, And then on top of that, having the lung problem, it's a problem. And so the CPAP machine, you put a mask on and it forces air down your throat, but it works differently from a ventilator. The ventilator actually does a complete seal and uh, you've got an, a tube down your throat and it's working for your lungs. It's essentially offsetting your lungs in a way a CPAP machine it doesn't. So the different instruments. Uh, I had thought about that myself. The only reason I can talk about this is because I actually pinged a friend of mine to say, why, why as a fallback, if we run out of these things and he had to explain to me, no, they, they actually work in different ways. I, I, I wouldn't have known. Um, and, and that's why I can give you this answer that, that it wouldn't work. Now we're going to pause on that. If you want to call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Can we not talk about the virus per se for just a few minutes? Let's talk about what to watch on TV while we're all stuck at home, unable to associate with other people, uh, and what's coming out and what some of these entertainment companies probably should be doing. This is actually a cool story. Uh, Let let me get to this real quick. On, On Sunday, Alabama's largest church, uh, it started, it host stopped its in-person worship service. Uh, Alabama's largest church stopped its in-person worship, worship service on Sunday and started doing drive-through tests for the virus on Tuesday. In the span of two days, doctors in Birmingham tested 977 people from across the state using the parking lot and volunteers from the church, said Dr. Robert Record, who's helping the effort. The drive-through effort at one of America's largest churches is part of a larger nationwide push for information about the virus. The number of confirmed cases was 39, 21 of which were in Birmingham, where Church of the Highlands is located. On Tuesday, the testing at the church confirmed eight cases. Testing is in short supply but high demand, so patients have to have symptoms. We navigate how sick they are. One of our goals is that people not go into a doctor's office and not go into a hospital if they don't have to. During the testing, a doctor speaks with patients through a cell phone and evaluates them through a car window. On Tuesday, two people seemed in respiratory distress and went to the hospital. One put on a respirator. Patients don't roll down the window until the very last 30 seconds where someone in protective gear swabs them. Those with health care are billed through their insurer. Others do not have to pay for the test. You show up, you'll be treated. Uh, like the most affluent person in the world. In the next few weeks, we'll try to find a way to make it pay or find a way to pay for it. Church of the Highlands, which averages 50000 for weekend services, is a prominent congregation in Alabama. Its pastor, Chris Hodges, has been in touch with the governor of the state. The church was able to pull off the testing because it started a health clinic in 2009 that sees more than 18,000 patients a year. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Um you know, so many churches just, they open their door on Sunday and they do nothing else. Um, and and I, I listen, I've, I've had arguments with friends of mine who are pastors at churches who say that, that the, the homeless man on the bench is not their problem. Um, their congregation is the problem, and I beg to differ. And uh, this is this is a good thing showing Christian work in the community now, uh, and I'll put that out on Twitter for you. Let me let me get uh, to the phones here. TV recommendations. I'm taking your calls on this. Eight seven seven nine seven Eric. Eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Jerry and Kathleen, Georgia. Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'd like to. I, I'm hunkering down. I'm I'm uh, over. I'm sixty three, and I. Uh, I have a tendency towards respiratory issues, so I'm uh, 
trying to be real careful. You bunker down then. Yeah, definitely. So so what's your TV recommendation? It's uh, Doc Martin, which was a, uh, I don't know if it was BBC, or it was a, an English show that was on, you know, public broadcasting, but it's on the Roku channel, so it's free. It's, uh, what, uh, nine seasons, 77 episodes, 45 minutes each. So if you at all like English humor, and maybe if you if you don't know if you do, give it a try. Maybe, maybe you'll like it. Uh, okay, I I may have to. I will I will track it down. Doc Martin on the Roku device. So you know that reminds me, Jerry. Thanks very much for the phone call. Let, let me let me give you guys a quick primer on this. If you don't know, um, so you know Apple probably has one of the biggest streaming libraries through its iTunes service, and you can buy or rent movies through Apple. But to watch them on your TV, there are some brand new TVs that have an Apple TV software package where you can get iTunes on the software uh, through the software on your TV. But um, otherwise, what happens is you've got to buy an Apple TV, and they're like $99. They're, they're more expensive than the others. But what you get with an Apple TV is you get access to all of Apple's TV. You know, Apple has started making TV shows. Uh, so you get it's, And it's kind of hard to ca- talk about them because it's Apple TV Plus is the Apple TV network. And then the Apple TV is the hardware that you plug into your TV. But if you get the Apple TV box, uh, you get Apple stuff and you can get Amazon stuff and Netflix stuff, HBO. You can get everybody's stuff. Uh, everybody. Uh, with Google, you can get a, a, a Google Chromecast, which plugs into your TV. And it's tiny. And I think it's like 25 bucks. And essentially, you can get everything except Apple stuff. And with Amazon, you can get the little Amazon Firecast, and you can get all all of Amazon stuff. You can get Amazon Prime. I think you can get Netflix and other stuff on there as well. You can't get Apple stuff. And then there's the Roku device, which has been around for a while and is pretty expansive with what it has. And again, a lot of these, you can get everything except Apple stuff. To get all of the iTunes stuff that you have and things like that, you got to get Apple's um, Apple TV, uh, which I do recommend because it, it, it's, it's, uh, its layout, its function, it's actually better than the others you can play games on it you can do you can watch tv on it you can uh if you've got a mac laptop you can stream to it it's far more robust it's more expensive than the others that's what i have on, on all of our tvs it, it's more robust than either the fire stick or the google chromecast or the roku device but if you're if you're not in the apple universe don't worry about it you can get one of these so you can get netflix and you can get hulu and you can get amazon prime and now paramount has something hbo has hbo now uh you can get all these things and fox news by the way is now streaming live and for free so you can go on the internet right now you can go on your streaming service if you have a roku or an apple device or an amazon uh fire stick or what have you and you can get uh fox news for free and fox's uh streaming channels they're basically all of their sports networks as well not that there's any sports to watch right now but you can get them all for free now and by the way the the rest of the media is beside themselves that fox news is giving away its content for free uh, really, they, I've read multiple articles from multiple news outlets that it is amazing. Essentially, the, the nutshell is it, it's uh, Republicans are outraged about communist propaganda from China, and yet they're allowing they're cheering on Fox News. What a bizarre, perverse world to be upset about Fox News giving its content away for free in the United States. You would think they would like the fact that a major corporation is doing something like that for free, but oh God, no, it's Fox, and we can't have Fox out there in the wild. Good Lord.
All righty, uh, let, let's do uh, let, let's do something other than just all the coronavirus updates. But I want to talk streaming real quick. Uh, but then I will I will allow discussion of of end time stuff because man, am I getting questions uh, from people? Is this the end times? Well, yes, it is. Yes and no. Um, I'll explain. But first. Um, nobody wants to call in with their recommendations. I'll give you some recommendations. Um, if you haven't, if you've got Disney plus, uh, if you don't have it, you should have it if you have kids, uh, cause they've got Disney's entire catalog of stuff on there. And I really do wonder if this goes on, are they just going to release Mulan there? Cause I really want to see Mulan. I'm very disappointed that we're not able to go see it right now. They put everything on hold and, and same thing with all the, uh, Avengers movies that are coming out. They, they put all that stuff on hold. But The Mandalorian is awesome, and I've been pushing John Favreau, the the director. They're they're in post production right now for the second season, and I've been really pushing on social media to to try to convince them to release the next season of The Mandalorian, which comes out in August, to go on and release it while everyone is home. Uh, but it's good. Uh, if you haven't seen The Crown on Netflix, I highly recommend it. I do like it. And I've had a bunch of people tell me that um, uh, Narcos, needs. I need to watch it. I've had multiple friends tell me that I would like Narcos, uh, that, it's, that it is kind of violent, but that I would like it. If I could handle Game of Thrones, I could handle it. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, if you have HBO, uh, listen, I, I realize particularly a lot of my Christian friends are appalled that I recommend Game of Thrones. It is not for everyone. It genuinely is not for everyone. And it took me three times watching it before I got into it. And let me actually tell you how I got it became a Game of Thrones fans. Uh, it was uh, the the fifth season. Yes, it was the fifth season. Um, and it was coming out and I was in the hospital. And it was the run-up to the fifth season, and I was in ICU for a week and then the hospital for another week uh, with these clots in my lungs. And there was a young nurse on the floor. I, they wound up moving me from ICU to the cardiac floor, uh, and I was the only person like under 70 on the floor. I had just turned 40. And the fifth season of Game of Thrones was about to come out, and they were running a marathon of the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. And I was up. I mean, I can't sleep. I'm in the hospital. All you can do is is, is sleep and use the bathroom. And I, I'm stuck in there, and this young guy comes in. He's the nurse. It's midnight, and I'm watching Adult Swim, and we have a pleasant conversation. He says, why aren't you watching Game of Thrones? I said, well, I, I've tried it several times. I could never get into it. I, he said, how many episodes did you see? I was like, I got through like the first two episodes, and, and I just couldn't go on. It was gory, um, pornographic in some cases. It, there was just so much violence. He's like, nope, we're watching it. And he literally took the remote and changed it to HBO. They were having a, a marathon of Game of Thrones on in the run-up to the fifth season starting. And, and then actually, I guess it was the sixth season starting. And I was hooked. Um, I guess it was into the second season by the time I got on there. And I binged watched. I, I I stayed up constantly watching this, uh, all the reruns of Game of Thrones. He would come in, fl- do his rounds, come back, catch up, explain characters to me, bring me up to speed. He was a huge fan of it. Uh, and then I left and had to go home and start from episode one, season one, and started watching Game of Thrones. And I... I had to fast forward through parts of it because there are some just gory parts. There are some very violent and vulgar and, and quasi pornographic parts in the first couple of seasons. They get better as time goes on. Um, but my goodness, um, it was such a well done show. It, even the last season, the last season was not good. 
the the writers, the two guys, what Benioff and Weiss, they got burned by HBO. They were going to do a series for HBO, an alt history of of the Civil War where the South won. And it was essentially to, to highlight the problems of slavery and stuff. And but then the you know the woke crowd got all upset that they were going to do this, and HBO got scared and bailed on them, and so they got mad and decided to to shortchange the last seasons of HBO of, of Game of Thrones. They wanted to be done with HBO, so they shortened them up. They rushed it, and it just wasn't good. And I I I I I. I I don't hesitate. Well, no, I do hesitate to say some of you will not like it because of the the violence and gore and stuff. And I've got a number of friends of mine who are pastors who are appalled that I would recommend it. Uh, so keep that in mind. But it was it was so well done. It was just one of the best scripted television series I have ever seen. Um, and so I do like it. And if you don't watch it with kid, do not watch it with anyone under the age of 18, please. But it's good. Uh, I'm going to go check out Narcos. The Crown is good. I actually like, so there's this guy, Netflix is actually doing some shows with him. And they've got his old BBC shows. And they're gardening shows. And I find them fascinating. It is a guy called Monty Don. Some of you may have heard of him. He is a, a largely self-taught gardener in Great Britain. And he has gone through and he does the history of gardens in Italy and in France. And they're actually really, really impressive. Uh, I really actually like them a lot. Uh, They're really actually good. Uh, Monty Don's Italian gardens and Monty Don's French gardens. And with the French ones, he does uh, the the artistic gardens, the, the food gardens, uh, the gardens of power, and then there's there's one other one that he does, and then the the Italian ones he does the northern gardens, the central gardens, the southern gardens, and 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 the island gardens in Italy, and and I just I found them fascinating. The history, the history of the Catholic Church is told through garden things like that. I just I was fascinated with them, and I've recommended it to several friends who actually thought this is going to suck, and they wound up watching it and liking it. Uh, I I don't really watch a bunch of the Hulu shows. I have no no reason to watch. What is that insufferable book I had to read twice in college? Oh, oh, you know the women they wear the the red robes. Um, it is a horrible, horrible book that no one with any taste likes. Um, um, the Handmaid's yes, The Handmaid's Tale. It is a trash book by a bunch of people who hate men. Uh, it is a dystopian fantasy for people who are stupid because they actually walk around in those stupid garments now based on the HBO's, uh, on the, the Hulu series. Half of them probably never read the book. The other half read the book and never shaved their legs since. It just absolutely insufferable people like this book. Honest to goodness. I had to read it twice in college. I had this feminist professor at Mercer who would breastfeed her four-year-old in class, and I wish I was making that up. Um, it was it was the most bizarre thing. I mean, honest to goodness. And I, I had to take her twice. And both times we had to read The Handmaid's Tale. And it was just, I mean, the most insufferable book. And they all took it so seriously. It's like, this is stupid. This is stupid. And now you've got all these these idiots who come out of the woodwork say, we live in, we live in dystopian times like The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, no, you don't because you couldn't be walking around in those stupid get-ups if we were living in the dystopian period you claim we are, you idiots. Uh, and yet here they go all serious about we live in times like that. And I forget what they call the name of the place, but it's so stupid. The whole premise of the book is stupid. 
And I, I just, I, out of principle, I won't subscribe to Hulu because if you're that stupid to put a series like that on, I got no use for you. Uh, I do like the Daredevil series on Netflix, and I'm upset that they canceled it because of Disney+. Plus. And Disney came out very strongly and said that that was all Netflix's choice. They were perfectly happy for Netflix to continue on uh, with Daredevil, and they canceled it. So I'm hoping Disney will pick it up. Daredevil is great. The others, the, the first season of Luke Cage is good. The others, nah, not so good. Um, but the first season of Daredevil, man, it is good. And that last episode with the monologue from Kingpin is incredible. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Um, although, again, not with kids. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything that I watch that's kid-friendly? TV has kind of become my alone time these days. And I'm trying to think, my, what do my kids like to watch? My son just likes to play Minecraft and Fortnite. So he's good with that. In any event, let me move on to end times. There was a bad earthquake in Salt Lake City, a 5.7 magnitude earthquake. Flights had to be grounded at Salt Lake Airport so that they could investigate the runway for cracks. Uh, one of the trumpeted angels at the Mormon Tabernacle, uh, the trumpet fell out, and the, the spire apparently is cracked from the earthquake. It was a big earthquake. And there are all sorts of people who are thinking, is this the end times? You know, it is. Uh, Christ ascended into heaven, and ever since we've been waiting for his return. Now, for those of you who know the lingo, I, I used to consider myself a premillennial, but the longer time has gone on, I'm very much amillennial. I, I, I really, I don't care. Um, I'm not a postmillennial. Those are some odd people, typically. Um, but... Are we in the end times? Well, of course we are to a degree, but you know, you're not going to be able to, to figure out the precise day that Jesus is coming back. So I'm not sure why you worry about it. Uh, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be all sorts of, um, the, all sorts of reports of natural disaster. You're going to have birth pangs. I mean, seriously, we're seeing uh, random earthquakes all over the place where people have never seen earthquakes before. We're seeing an increased awareness of earthquakes because we have mass media in a way we didn't. You know, Scripture says that all, all, every knee will bow, every, or every, everyone will be on their knees and bow when Jesus comes. And how is that possible? The world is round if He comes back and and arrives in Jerusalem. How are we all going to see it? Well, he, he just like you know, um, biblical scholars say there's no way Jesus could have been born before the Roman Empire because it took the Roman Empire building a a Western European and Northern African series of roads and trading routes into Asia. Uh, to be able to spread the gospel. So you had to have all that fall into place for Jesus to be born, to be able to get his message out and begin to spread it globally, uh, and then have the, the Roman Empire Christianize and, and further spread it around the world. And I, I do believe that if every knee will bow and, and, and every head will bow when Jesus comes back and, and everyone will proclaim him Lord, you could, he could not have come back until an age of 24-7 media where we can all see it on TV whenever it happens. So you got that in place, but there's a bunch of other stuff that has to be put in place for it to happen. Uh, in particular, uh, if you go to the Museum of the Bible, they got a wall. In fact, this is, I got a seminary professor at Reform Theological who points out that he can say with certainty that Jesus is not returning in the next six months. And you know, there are a lot of Christians out there, how can you say the Bible says we can't know? 
He says there, there are things that still must be done for him to return. And one of the things that must be done is that the, the message of the gospel has to be spread to all corners and all tribes and all languages. And you can go to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and they have up there a list of all the languages where they're still trying to translate the Bible. And until the Bible is translated into those languages and spread to those people, there's no way for Jesus to come back because the Bible says so. And so in, there's no way in the next six months that all those translations are going to get taken care of. And as a result of that, for all the people saying, oh, Jesus could come back tomorrow. No, he actually cannot come back biblically tomorrow because the, Bi- the, the, the gospel has not yet spread to every corner of the earth as the Bible says it will before the second coming. But there are signs that that wall continues to reduce. It's actually reduced in the last couple of years pretty dramatically. And there are people who are dying off and, and those languages are going away. And so the Bible will ultimately be translated into those. But yeah, are we in the end times? Yes, we are. Is the world coming to an end tomorrow? No. Is it coming to an end next year? Probably not. But it will at some point. And, and he'll come back. I believe that. I mean, I'm a Christian. I, I believe these things. Some of you will listen to it and think it's all wacky, hooey nonsense, um, and you will be wrong one day, but until then, you can smugly say otherwise. But along the way, there's the question of why do these sorts of things happen? The global pandemic affecting all corners of the earth. If God is good, and you know, this is where, where some people fall back. If God is good, this sort of stuff can't happen. Well, yes, it can. We're all sinners. We live in a fallen world. There are people who get really upset about this stuff. And, and you know, I, I'm... There are people who are who are raised by atheists who believe that God is not real because their parents told them and they trust their parents. But most people who come to atheism actually fall out of faith into atheism. And the reason most of them fall out of faith into atheism is because they have a falling out with God. He's not there when they want him to be. He's on his time, not their time, and they get mad at God. And and, and to absolve themselves or, or to, to rationalize why bad things happen, they decide, you know, God's not actually real. They get mad at him. I, I've got several friends of mine who are atheists, and I love them dearly. And they're all atheists because they got mad at God. They, they had tragedy in their life. Uh, something happened bad in their life. God was not there for them, they believe. And, and so they've decided, well, if he's not there then, he's not there at all. He doesn't exist. And I think he does. But that doesn't, the fact that God is good doesn't, isn't disputed by the fact that there's a global pandemic or, or a mass shooting or anything else. We are all sinners. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. And I tell people all the time, uh, when you think otherwise, consider this, uh, Jesus himself was tortured and crucified and died. He wanted a relationship so badly with his people that he suffered through this world as well. I mean, there are a lot of people say, how, how could God do this to people, all the suffering and dying? And when you read the accounts of people dying from this, this COVID-19 virus, they, they're horrible accounts, horrible accounts. You're essentially drowning and suffocating at the same time. And people will say, well, why, why would God allow that to happen? And I tell people all the time, God didn't allow himself an escape from this. God did not escape from this. God, the second person of the Trinity, was born a human birth, lived as a human, grew up, was savagely beaten, savagely beaten, tortured, a crown of thorns placed on his head shoved onto his head hard enough to scrape his scalp and force him to bleed, blood pouring out of his head. Nailed then, laid down on a cross with hammer and nails through his arms and feet to keep him on this cross that they had forced him to carry. The cross 
hoisted up, and he there forced to suffocate. That's how you died. Uh, very much like the people who, who have this virus die. He, he essentially suffocated. Uh, his lungs filling with fluid. He couldn't lift himself up to catch his breath. When he did, he felt the pain of the, the nail through his feet and ultimately succumbed and died and then conquered death. God gave himself no out from the misery of this world. And it's mighty arrogant, frankly, of us to think that we should have an out from the world. If we love him, he loved us so much, he gave himself no out. And that's the reality as I see the world. Uh, we, we get no escape, Christians or otherwise. No one gets an escape from this world. The world is full of sin. We live in a fallen world. Sin creeped out of the garden with everything else, and it pollutes everything. Uh, when Adam and Eve fled and ultimately you get to Noah, one of the fascinating things with Noah is that the world is undone in exactly the reverse order of which it was done. Uh, when you follow the account of creation in Genesis 1, all the, the heavens and the earth are divided, the waters of the heavens are divided, the waters of the earth are put below and in the oceans and all, all the springs of the earth, and then with Noah it all comes bursting forth and all commingles back together. Exactly reverse of how it happened. Uh, and, and and God notes that even the, the ground itself was polluted by sin, uh, but when he when he washes everything away, he doesn't take sin out of the world, but he's not going to destroy the whole world by flood anymore. But sin's still there, and sin is the nature of a fallen world, and we live in a fallen world. And if you understand we live in a fallen world, you understand there's no escape from a fallen world. There's no escape from the virus. There's no escape from death. But when you say, well, that's not fair, well, you know, God himself came down and hung on a cross and died. So you may say it's not fair, and, and man, I can't believe God would let that happen, but he went through it too, so don't think he doesn't understand. Well, here we go. This is encouraging. I will put this in the afternoon email update I'm going to send on COVID-19. If you want to get the email, uh, text DATA to 33777. Go to that link and subscribe, and I'm going to push this out this afternoon so everybody can see it. Uh, this is from techstartups.com. Earlier today, we published a story about a new study published by the National Institutes of Health that shows that hydroxychloroquine has been found to be more effective and potent than chloroquine in vitro treatments of coronavirus. While the media is focused on the vaccine race and leaves the discussion of therapeutics almost completely neglected, a recent well-controlled clinical study conducted by uh, Didier Raoult of uh, France shows 100% of patients that received a combination of hydroxychloroquine and erythromycin tested negative and were virologically cured within six days of treatment. In addition, recent guidelines from South Korea and China report that hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are effective antiviral therapeutic treatments for novel coronavirus. A therapeutic agent that prevents infection with novel coronavirus is highly desirable, especially for people with high-risk exposure, as well as people with uh, comorbidities like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, etc., and compromised immune systems. Groundbreaking in vitro studies demonstrate potential efficacy of hydrochloroquine as a prophylactic for novel coronavirus infection in primate cells. The study is part of the initiative from an independent group of scientists and physicians working on an open data clinical trial for prevention of uh, COVID-19 through the use of hydroxychloroquine in combination with other therapeutic agents. The group is calling on President Trump to allow Americans to use the drug. Unlike a typical commercial drug trial, 
The objective of the group is to share trial data with the public and healthcare professionals as close to real time as possible with a reasonable level of data quality assurance. Given the rapidly spreading coronavirus pandemic, the group is looking for every possible way. Uh, this is now being backed up by a uh, medical researcher affiliated with Stanford and other doctors now coming forward as well, saying that they have seen uh, this drug combination of hydrochloroquine and erythromycin uh, work together. And to um, to work. That's encouraging the medical community, the free market. Dare I say the free market? Because there are a lot of people out there. I've seen people say, "Yeah, this is kind of borderline socialism." Now that we've had, you know, uh, a crisis is different from every day. But what are we seeing in this country? For example, I've had to go to Kroger a couple of days in a row to try to find or to, to Publix to find peanut butter, but I found it. The free market resupplied the shelves in a socialist country. You can wait weeks and food is rationed. My food is not being rationed. I can go to the grocery store. I can find the stuff that I need. The supply chains are working. And now here globally, scientists and doctors are working to find cures. And in the free market that developed this medicine, it looks like they found a cure user, not a cure necessarily, but something that can, can improve conditions, if not heal people within six days of beginning it. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. We should celebrate the fact uh, that Western researchers in the free market are doing this. We should celebrate the fact that though we have empty store shelves in all of our grocery stores right now, they are regularly being restocked because the free market works. And frankly, we should remember this and do a better job of tearing down red tape barriers like the president's doing, not in times of crisis, but every single day.